This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is The Property Show and I'm Mark Town. Today, we ask the hard questions. Why there continues to be supply overhang in the property market across all categories, even with affordable homes? And is the simple answer a mismatch of demand, supply and affordability? Or are there more structural issues that need to be addressed or new solutions need to be researched and developed? Today, we speak with Dr. Jeffrey Ng Tiong Lip, Chairman of Radar Research Institute, a think tank governed by an independent board of trustees and was relaunched in 2004 to focus on the three pillars of education, research and training for the property sector. Good morning, Dr. Jeffrey. Good morning, Mark. Now, let's start with a bird's eye view of the Malaysian residential property market. Why are there so many unsold units leading to the current property overhang? Well, important thing is that uh, we have to realise that there are a combination of reasons for that oversupply and more important to give the context of it, they are all in a total of 26,000 units valued at $18.3 billion. And this overhang residential for half a, half a million ringgit and below, it constitutes about 50% of the unsold units and that represents about 13,500 units valued at 4.26 billion. And at affordable housing below 300,000, you have got six, over 6,000 units valued at 1.2 billion. And that represents about 23% of the overall overhang residential units. So as you can see very clearly that there is a structural problem in the system. So what's driving this structural problem? Because, you know, simplistically saying it's a mismatch between demand and supply on the type and location of homes that buyers can afford. But what structural issues are we facing? Currently, the housing delivery system is based very much on what we would call it as rigid housing policy, meaning that it is using the one-size-fits-all to generate approvals of houses where most approvals are subjected to social, public housing quota and price controls. And this leads to unsuitable locations, uh, wrong product type, as well as different needs of the demographics. Now, you're talking about product type. Based on the stats you just shared earlier on, we are even seeing property overhang for properties below 300,000 ringgit. Now, you'd think that being below 300,000 ringgit in the low to medium cost segment, it would snap up quite fast. But how do you explain this overhang, even for this low segment? Yeah, uh, without any question, uh, I think that the current housing delivery system is very much based on what the government wants, which is quantity. And as we know in uh, housing, qualitative factors is an important key consideration. In particular, for the B40 group, if the ecosystem or the living environment is not conducive in that there are no nearby public transport system, there are no schools nearby, medical facilities, uh, workplace, you know, parks, recreation places. Even for the B40 group, if the affordable pricing is in fact affordable, 
even the B40 group wouldn't buy, buy them because of the inconveniences. So there lies the mismatch of supply and demand. Right, it goes back to the point that when it comes to properties, location is very important. So even if you build a very cheap, affordable home, but it's in the middle of nowhere, even that particular segment would shy away from buying the property. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I know Radar Research Institute has a lot of statistics. So if we take the median household income of Malaysia and apply the usual bank standard debt servicing ratios, what should be the targeted price of a property in Malaysia? In our research report, we actually question the definition used, which is we know very common, and that is uh, median household income. If we were to follow that strictly, rural uh, household income would be around 4,000 a month. Urban would be around 7,000 a month. And if you apply the debt service ratio of 30%, which is probably what a typical household would be able to afford to set aside for servicing of uh, interest and bank loans, it will translate using a, a 4.5% interest at 35 years with a 10% down payment. It would translate roughly for, for urban household to a house price of around 300000 and for rural, it would be around 200000 So there lies in the, the problem. Two to 300000 based on the median household income clearly is not representative of what is happening in the market. And by that, I would say this. Uh, an example would be that, uh, let's talk about Pataling Jaya. We know it's a very affluent district area. Now, in that instance, I'm sure that the household income is way above the median income of, of 7,000 per month, right? And, you know, in PJ, probably anything between 10 to 15,000 would be what is typically the location-centric uh, household income. In that instance, even if you use the de- uh, debt service ratio of 30%, clearly the house prices there that would be considered within the affordable range would be anything between 400,000 to half a million. So therefore, what is important is that instead of using the median household income approach, uh, one can you know, be more granular to go into the so-called household income in particular states, in particular district within the state, the suburb within the district or the Munkim, and even the location of the project where then the true household income of the demographics is then determined. Now, talking about income, I also want to touch a bit on banks. There's obviously a lot of reasons why there's the property overhang. I do believe that the bank loan has a lot to do with it in terms of financing. In terms of your research that you have developed, what are the top reasons for unsold-completed residential properties? Yeah, I think the main reason has to do with the margin loan that the buyer would be asking. Uh, typically, for affordable housing, 100% or even up to 90% is very common. And if the bank applies strictly on the ability to service interest as well as making principal repayments, Clearly, it will be uh, fairly difficult for the banks to give a 90% margin. So therefore, once it's reduced, that's where the borrower will say, I, uh, for, for the purchase price of the affordable housing, I can only go for a 90% margin. If it's a 70%, I will not be able to come up with the equity portion mm. that makes up the, the 30%. So therefore, it becomes a loan rejection. Right. Or even if the loan is approved, but because the prospective buyer has to put in a 30% down payment, they just don't have the capacity for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, 
if the poorer B40 with irregular income cannot get bank loans to buy a property or, or insufficient margin, as you rightfully said, should our priorities start shifting towards social housing based on the rental scheme? Yeah, I, I will fully agree that, you know, this is really the way to go. And I think that if you, based on the announcement of the, the 12th Malaysia Plan review midterm, it's fair to say that the direction indicated by the government is that it is not adverse to rental of housing as, as opposed to house ownership. What I would like to say here is that, you know, whilst home ownership is a great long-term wealth creation product for the population, as well as a very noble social, economic, national objective of the country, the realities are that there are always going to be a tier of the B40 group that will not be able to get out of the so-called income range, meaning that, you know, why would B40, who is already financially constrained, be incentivized to take on housing debt uh, just to own property? So I think it would be more realistic if we turn the other way and say that instead of owning property, you, you rent property. Mm. Now, as the chairman of Rueda Research Institute, I'm sure you have very close ties with the Ministry of Housing, Local and Development, and you work very closely with KPKT and its respective stakeholders. In your opinion, has the government, through its various agencies, provided enough social housing projects? I believe that the government has actually done a lot in producing public and social housing, in particular from JPN under KPKT, Prima under MOF, PPAIM, SPNB, SCDCs of uh, various states and local authorities uh, throughout the country. There has been many types of uh, affordable or, or public social housing that have been uh, produced by the, by the government. But having said that, Malaysia, as you know, is still a growing population with a young age group demographics, and it also aspires to be a high-income nation. So therefore, uh, the demand for public social housing and affordable housing will be continually uh, sustainable. Right. And as we said earlier on, it has to be in the right location. Absolutely. Yeah. On the property show this morning is Dr. Jeffrey Ng Tiong Lip, Chairman of Radar Research Institute. When we come back from the break, we look at undergoing research, data points, and possible solutions to tackle these challenges. This is BFM 89.9. Welcome back to the property show where we have Dr. Jeffrey Ng Tiong Lip, Chairman of Radar Research Institute. Before the break, we looked at the challenges afflicting the property sector and the supply overhang situation. Now, Dato, what is the role of private sector developers in affordable homes given the current situation that we have? I, I, I think to answer the question, maybe I would uh, start off by saying that it is important to differentiate between what is public social housing versus affordable housing. In effect, public social housing, housing projects done and funded by the government and for affordable housing, it is basically developed, built and funded by the private sector. In, in our research report, we have, in fact, redefined public social housing at price houses, which are priced at below 150000 and below. And for affordable housing, it is priced at 150000 up to half a million ringgit. Now, what is important is to realise that affordable housing funded by the private sector, it can only be market-driven products, meaning that private sector developers can build and supply market-driven affordable homes based on market demand, feasibility, affordability 
of development target markets. In other words, where there is demand for affordable housing and the location is suitable, private sector can in fact build more affordable housing where the pricing will be at 300,000 and below. And I think we have seen many examples where there has been a couple of uh, public listed companies that have actually announced that they are happy to continue to build up production and supply of affordable housing at that type of pricing because where they are built, the location and the product type fits the demographics of the buyers. So resulting from there, uh, they're able to do that. Whereas currently for public housing, uh, as I said at the start, uh, the trouble with the rigid policy, housing policy of uh, control quota as well as uh, price control products is that when the authorities approve for every project that is built across the country, the mismatch of unsuitable locations for the affordable housing is not there. So the, the idea is that rather than across the board build everywhere and anywhere under the one-size-fits-all policy, it's good that we start to narrow down very specifically on what the role that the government should be uh, playing. Bear in mind that for public housing, government has got still large land bank and the cost of the land bank is also cheap or cheaper than the private sector. So, and, and then in terms of master planning, government can also coordinate and plan all the necessary ecosystem uh, living environment for the B40 to be comfortable, to be located and housed in those locations. So if all that are in place, then really the government would be able to deliver social and public housing without the problem of the mismatch where the supply and the demand don't seem to meet, which has then resulted in this very huge overhang of residential properties. And with your 40 years of experience in the industry, what other solution can there be to address this problem? Because we can't be doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, because that's the definition of insanity. What new solutions can we actually explore? In our research report, uh, Radar Institute is actually proposing what we will call it as a SPCA, which is a special purpose uh, central agency. Uh, what the central agency does is that the functions of, of this SPCA really is to ensure that there is proper planning for affordable housing and that there is also a proper coordination. In fact, I think in our report, we have actually proposed that the, the functions of the SPCA right, would involve uh, master planning of affordable housing in a holistic manner, uh, streamlining the functions and policies at the state level. As you know, uh, public sector delivery of affordable housing in many ways does compete with the private sector as well. So that is basically a level playing field and it's better to put all under the one function SPCA in order to ensure that everything is well-coordinated. And I think most importantly is really that something very new, again, you know, a structural problem needs a very transformative uh, solution to the problem. And in fact, Radar Institute has proposed a contribution in lieu, which is effectively a special contribution by property developers to the SPCA as a central agency where the funds collected are built 
specifically on uh, social public housing. Mm. By, by doing this, uh, what SPCA does is to make sure then that it, it's a, a more holistic approach. So that approach is, has got a very high impact uh, on, the, on the whole delivery system. And whether it will work, I think it will require this engagement with KPKT. Now, the proposal here is to create another agency called Special Purpose Central Agency, SPCA. Now, who does this agency report to and how do we make sure it doesn't overlap with all the other agencies that is already in existence? Well, you know, since the contribution in lieu is a part of the game plan solution to address affordable housing, I think it's important that the funds raised from the private sector, instead of building public housing, these funds will now be raised and given to this uh, SPCA. And SPCA will then use these funds to produce affordable or public uh, social housing. So what is important is that the government, together with Radar Malaysia, now this is our proposal, mm-hmm. we are guardians of these funds and we would like to work with the ministry to ensure that the funding of, of uh, you know, where, where does the fund go to, which project, which type of uh, a product, and where is the location uh, where the government identifies land, that, you know, every project done will be successful and in the right location. So this will all avoid the mismatch of uh, housing demand versus supply. Mm. Now, with this fund, and obviously this fund will be used to develop projects, is the concept still very much a bill and sell or is it a bill and rent? The, the, the short answer is that uh, Radar Institute, in fact, is uh, proposing the bill and rent. And the reason why bill and sell is, in our research, we, we found that, in fact, government actually has lost out significantly i.e., you know, unproductive use of resources, uh, in that for every so-called uh, Rumah Mesra, Rakyat, uh, it sells. It is actually losing anything between 150000 to 200000 per unit. And every year, the government would sell hundreds of thousands of these units. So, actually, the government is subsidising on the loss of these types of units to the population. And worse still is government will have to continue to look for land banks. So rather than uh, to address those problems, it would be better that, you know, retain back whatever affordable or public social housing being built, keep it and, and continue to rent it. Right. So this agency will develop the properties, rent it out and also be in charge of maintaining it in the longer term. Yeah, in collaboration with ideally the private sector and in particular, and this is the engagement exercise that we will need to work with the ministry to get the buy-in that the private sector's participation in this SPCA is really for the overall good of the housing delivery system. It definitely sounds like it. So just for our information, what's the developer's contribution to the trust? What sort of quantum are we looking at? Well, this is one area that we, we would really need to engage the ministry, KPKT, as well as Radar Malaysia, which represents the 1,600 property developers in the country. But I guess that the, the, uh, in terms of contribution, uh, the, the actual quantum, etc., really 
uh, would need a very detailed discussions with all the stakeholders. But would you have a rough range if we try to look at as a percentage of a total GDP development? What would be the contribution? Yeah, we have. But I, at this stage, I think it's probably too sensitive for me to be specific about. But best that I think if, if this topic really has a buy-in with KPKT ministry, uh, we'll be happy to start uh, giving our justification and rationale why it will be based on those principles of the contribution right. as a basis. Dato Jeffrey, thank you very much for your time and insights. On the property show was Dato Jeffrey Ng Kyung Lip, chairman of Radar Research Institute. This is BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.